the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. All right, reason number one why you need to be engaged in the church is because you are gifted. Verse 7 says that, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, the verses right before this one talk about seven different ways in which we are all one in Christ. When we get to verse 7, it says, however, although we are united in Christ, we are unique also. And verse 7 starts off with each one of us. It's uh, Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the same people he was just talking about in the verses prior. Everyone who is in the body of Christ. Each one of us. Grace was given. Now, is he giving gifts or is he giving grace? Well, in this particular verse, he's emphasizing that grace was given. But in the verses that follow, he's talking about gifts being given. Well, I think it's both. I think he's saying that he gave us, through his grace, he gave us gifts. He favored us individually with gifts. Now, there's another sense in which he gave us gifts. We'll talk about that in a minute. But for now, I want to look at a few other uh, passages that emphasize this idea of us having individual gifts. The first one is over in Romans 12, verse 6, which I shall start at verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. First uh, Corinthians 12. Now that's kind of a parallel passage to Ephesians 4, and we'll be looking at it a, a few times to help us understand Ephesians 4. But over in 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 4, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. All right? uh, Unity and yet uniqueness, if that's a word. And then he goes on, describes all the different gifts we have. And get to verse 11. He says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. I think that is a really neat verse. Distributing to each one individually just as he wills. We have individual gifts. Uh, 1 Peter 4 is another passage that talks about individual gifts, but I want to save it for later because uh, I have special use for it. Now, the other way in which Christ has given us gifts that I mentioned um, is, is in the form of people assigned to certain roles in the church. And that's what he's talking about in verse 11. He gave some as apostles and prophets, evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Now, the verses in between 
verses 8 through 10. Um, these can get, this can get a little bit hairy here, so bear with me as we go through these verses. But um, this is not a rabbit trail. You might think Paul's kind of getting distracted and, you know, expounding on, on some theological truth, but it's very much on topic. And Paul's quoting from Psalm 68, uh, verse 18, I believe. And there's some differences between that psalm and this quotation, which are the subject of great analysis, why they're not quite the same. And I'm just not going to go into all that. But to paraphrase what he's saying is that Christ came down to earth. He descended first. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave in the process. He defeated our captor and set us free. He, he gave us freedom. And then he gave us gifts. And then we get to verse 10, where it says, so that he might fill all things. Now, how does Christ fill all things? Well, through the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think the meaning of the word all is that he fills both the Jews and the Gentiles. In 1 Corinthians twelve eleven, the, the verse that we were just looking at over there, it talks about the Spirit being the, the agent that gives us these gifts. So what Paul is saying between verses 8 and 10 is essentially, this is what Christ had to go through in order to give us gifts. Christ had to come down to earth, defeat our enemy, ascend into heaven, so that he could then send the Spirit into our lives. Remember, he had to ascend first before he could send the, the Comforter. And the Spirit is the gift giver. So this is not a rabbit trail. He's saying what Christ had to go through in order for us to get these spiritual gifts. Now, there's a few things that, that are really significant about these first five verses we're looking at. One of them is, is the words, each one of us, in reference to gifts, which means that if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are a gifted person. You may not always feel gifted, but it's the truth. You are a gifted person. The other um, implication is that none of us has all of the gifts. All right, talk about this a bit more. Third implication is that whatever Jesus gave you is probably pretty valuable just because Jesus is not a stingy person, not a stingy giver. And finally, and this is maybe the point I want to highlight the most in this first section, is that if the price of these gifts, and you've probably thought of this already, if, if the price of these gifts was Jesus coming down to earth and dying on the cross, well, that's a pretty expensive gift. And we should honor the person who went to that extreme for us. We should be showing our appreciation for him by putting these gifts to use. If someone close to you gives you a special gift, you don't just bury it in your back closet, right? You show appreciation by putting the gift on display or, or using it or whatever. You know, the church gave us this plaque a few months ago, which is special to us. And so we put it in a fairly prominent place in our house right inside the front door, depending which door you come in. And, uh, you know, it means a lot to us. And we want you guys to know that it, it means a lot to us. So the first reason why you should be engaged in the church is because you're a gifted person and you should honor the giver of those gifts. 
All right. Now, the second reason is that you are called. Now, a lot of people think that I have been called to the ministry and they are right. But what they don't realize is that I got called to the ministry over 20 years ago. I want us to zero in on verses 11 and 12 here. They say, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Now, when you get to verse 12, if you're familiar with the King James Version rendering of verse 12, you might kind of breeze past it without noticing, if you're reading a different translation, that there is an important difference. The King James Version says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, what's wrong with that? Well, there's commas in there. And a lot of commentators will say that those shouldn't be there. Uh, That is not a correct representation of what is being said there in the Greek. They say it's not three items in a list. There are Greek prepositions that connect these together. So it's actually saying A leads to B, which leads to C. All right, if you're following me which is why uh, many, most modern translations will say it's something like uh, what it says here in New American Standard. He gave some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And that's New, uh, that's New American Standard. NIV says some, something similar. So does the ESV, so does New King James And the work of service, the Greek word there is diakonia, something like that, which can be accurately translated service or uh, ministry. So do you feel the weight of responsibility settling on your shoulders? Now, just so you know, this isn't just Paul's idea. Let's flip back to 1 Peter chapter 4. This is the verse I mentioned earlier that I wanted to save for now. 1 Peter chapter 4, look at starting at verse 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. I should probably be on our hostess list. Verse 10. As each one of us has received a special gift, each one has received a special gift, notice that, and then employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, employ it in serving one another. Same Greek word there, except it's in um, verb form, and it can be translated service or ministry, right? So going back to Ephesians 4, the implication of verses 11 and 12 is that the pastor teachers, um, there there is some reason to believe that those those two words are talking about one particular office, but it's not real important to me to to, uh, go into all that. But the pastor teachers equip the saints, right? And then the saints do the work of the ministry. 
Now, is it wrong for us to even call ourselves ministries, me and Sonny and Sam and so on? Well, no, not at all, because we're ministers too, right? We're supposed to be doing the work of the ministry too. Paul tells Timothy, you know, if you do these certain things, you will be a good minister, right? Everyone is called to the ministry. I hope by calling ourselves ministers, we don't cause you to forget that you are also ministers. Maybe we should call ourselves pastors more often. Now, what this passage is saying about the job, the role of the pastors and teachers is that the pastors and teachers or pastor teachers, we're supposed to teach the word. And if we, you know, we're supposed to tell you this is what the Bible is saying and, and open up the word to you. And if, if um, the word takes root in your heart, then we'll have done our job and we will have put this um, machinery of the maturing process. We'll put it in motion, right? So the significance of this passage here, these, these two verses is that we're all called to the ministry. Whatever our position is, we have an obligation to serve within the body. And clearly, you know, we who call ourselves ministers, we need to lead by example. But if there's a need in the body, and if someone needs to be visited, uh, reached out to, um, even warned, depending on the circumstance, obviously, uh, we may not... Well, please don't assume that the ministry is just going to take care of it. Uh, you might just be as obligated as, as we are. One other verse that emphasizes this truth is, in, is comes from Galatians chapter 6, which is familiar to you. It says, if a man is overtaken in, the, in a fault or a trespass, ye who are spiritual, doesn't say, you know, you elders, go take care of him. You who are spiritual. Now, you're probably thinking, well, there he is already. He just got put in the ministry and he's already looking for a way out of work. Well, not really. I don't think so anyway. Um, I'm just trying to point out that, you know, this, I think this is how a healthy church should be working. And to a great degree, I think we are already operating like that. And I think that is wonderful. And um, please keep it up. So the second reason why you need to be engaged in the church is because it's your calling, called to minister to each other in the church. Here's reason number three. Our church needs you. Verse 16 says, well, let me just clip off a bit from 15. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Paul does not have a tendency to put things in real simple terms, but um, I think what he's saying here, or, or John Piper had a pretty good explanation for, for what he's describing, Paul is describing here, and he says, you know, it's like the growth comes from Christ, ultimately, but it's, it's caused by us. I think that is an accurate uh, representation of what Paul is talking about. So what he's saying is the body grows as each part, um, every joint, contributes. Now, notice he doesn't say as most of the joints contribute, or even some of the joints 
do most of the work, but it's every joint contributes and each individual part works properly. Are we ever going to get to the place where everyone is just pouring themselves into our church? Well, maybe not. But uh, the closer, we can get closer to that, I think. And the closer we get to that, the better off it will be for all of us. If I can jump back to 1 Corinthians 12 one last time and read verse 7 to you. Uh, the previous verse says there's a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all, re- in all persons. And verse 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All the parts contributing to make this thing work. Now, there's kind of two sub-points that I have here, two reasons why our church needs you. The first one is that you, you, I believe you have unique, probably unique combination of, of gifts. Um, and I think our church, a church is a little bit like a football team. Now, this is where I go off in the allegory and all the ladies get bored, and hopefully the men wake up. But on a, on a football team on the, on the offensive side, you have linemen, offensive linemen, and you have wide receivers, two very different roles. Offensive linemen are big guys, right? Most of them all weigh over 300 pounds. Not super mobile, maybe, but they do their job very well. They stand in place. Well, I don't. They don't really stand in place, but they protect the foot. They, they protect the quarterback. While the quarterback's back there trying to figure out what to do with the football, these offensive linemen are keeping it from getting sacked. Now, you ladies should really be paying attention because now you understand how this all works. But uh, now another another unit on the offense is the uh, wide receivers. Now, these guys usually average probably around, I don't know, 200 pounds. I don't know. They're, they're relatively, relatively small, I guess. Uh, they're fast. They can change direction quickly. They can run a very uh, precise route. They can leap. They have good hands. They're good at catching things, especially footballs. And that's their role. Now... Can an offensive lineman run a route and catch a football? Well, eventually, probably, it can be done. Can wide receivers protect the quarterback? I don't know. Uh, Maybe. Um, I don't think many quarterbacks would be interested in finding out. But no good football team is made up of just offensive linemen or wide receivers. You know, they have many other roles I'm not going to go into, many other positions. And you've got these people with different strengths and weaknesses. They're all working together to achieve this common goal. If you have unique gifts in our church and you're not contributing, at, at some level, to some degree, uh, the whole church is missing out on something because... Um, There are things, I believe, there are things you can do for our church that no one else can do quite as well, or maybe not even at all, depending on what it is. So that's one reason why our church needs you. The other reason is this, and I'm trying to say this kindly. Um, I don't mean to be negative about this, but a joint that is out of place to some degree also causes some suffering, right? Uh, 
in verse 16, where it talks about uh, the body being fitted together, the word fitted, oh wait, my translation doesn't say knit, but uh, maybe that's the New King James. Where it says being knit or fitted together, um, I, I think the Greek word there is, was used to describe what the Greek doctor Galen did when he was doing surgery on, on someone who had a broken limb and, and fitting it back into place and healing that limb, right? A limb that's broken is, causes a great deal of suffering. It's very painful. I've never had a broken limb, but I have had, uh, sometimes my shoulder will slip out of joint a little bit. I'm trying to be athletic and failing. And that's very painful. And when that happens, you know, I'm concentrating on getting the shoulder back to where it belongs, not doing anything else really useful. And it kind of affects, you know, my whole being, right? So, to some extent, we need to be engaged in the church because if we're not, we're to some extent a, a source of suffering to the body, a, a source of dysfunction, um, I think maybe we can discourage the other parts that are fully engaged and are feeling overworked. Um, maybe it can encourage uh, apathy in others. I don't know, but I think that an out-of-place joint does hurt the body, to put it simply. So the church needs you. church needs your gifts. The church needs you to be engaged. It's not about a building. We know that. It's not about, you know, just these structured services and singing at certain times and praying at some times and so on. It's, it's really about everybody working together to make this thing work, to, to advance the kingdom. So third reason you need to be engaged is because our church needs you. Fourth reason, and you can probably guess what this one is. The fourth reason is because the body needs you, but you need it even more. Now, here's why. If, if you're a dislocated joint, then you're probably not getting the spiritual nourishment that you really need, at least not completely. Um, remember those gifts we were talking about? Not everybody got all of the gifts. You probably did not get all of the gifts. And there are some other pretty special people, even in this room this morning, that you can benefit from, that I have benefited from. And it's clear from this passage and from others that God's design is for us to grow up together. Now you might wonder, well, wait a minute, what if I was shipwrecked on a desert island and all I had was a Bible, you know, could I, couldn't I become spiritually mature while I sat there and, and read my Bible and, and survived on coconut water? Well, obviously we're getting to just kind of sheer speculation here because no one really knows without having tried it, maybe. But, I mean, I think you could become mature uh, in some aspects, but I really doubt that you would be mature in all aspects. It's, it's just not the environment God designed for spiritual growth. Growing up spiritually in solitary confinement isn't what God had in mind. Let me quote John Calvin as much as it pains me. He has a uh, very good thought about this passage. And he says, I can't remember which verse in particular he was talking about, but he said, no member of the body of Christ 
is endowed with such perfection as to be able, without the assistance of others, to supply his own needs, to supply his own necessities. We need each other. Now you could say, well, isn't Jesus everything we need? Well, that is true. Uh, Jesus is the ultimate, is the end goal, right? We want to be connected to the vine. Uh, We want to be deep in our knowledge and relationship with Jesus. But I think the way we get there is by working with the body and benefiting from each other. So just to kind of restate these four points, you need to be engaged in the church because you're a gifted person, um, because you're called to the ministry, and because the church, the body, needs you, and finally because you need the body. Now let's just spend a minute and review kind of the results. What what is the outcome when this whole process works as designed? Well, that's in verses 13 through 15. talks about unity, a unity that comes from maturity. All right? talks about being united in the faith. It talks about um, the knowledge of the Son of God. This is more than just a kind of a basic, you know, facts about who Jesus is. It's a, it's a deep knowledge that comes from a close relationship with Christ. Uh, he talks about the measure of a statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's talking about Christ-likeness. Measuring up to Christ's statue to some small degree, I'm sure. Um, stability in verse 14. We're not just getting blown around by whatever is the latest trend or or, you know, we, we don't have to live in fear that some kind of crazy doctrine is going to sweep through our church and knock everybody off their feet if we're spiritually mature. And verse 15, speaking the truth in love, I think that's probably talking about evangelism. Evangelism that is powerful because, because people see that we love each other and we know we've got something worth offering. Those are the results of maturity. So I really want to see this come to be a reality in our church. Um, clearly, we, you know, pastor teachers, we need to do our part. And studying this passage has really helped me appreciate um, what my what my job is and what I'm supposed to be doing. And and it's I've enjoyed it because it's kind of given me some clarity. But for you all, you know, you you you're ministers too. You're called to the ministry. And we need everyone to be engaged in this. We need you to be engaged right here in church. Uh, we need you to be helping with the singing. I uh, need you to, you know, if you've got thoughts in Sunday school, chime in. Uh, we need you to pray along with us as we pray in church. We need you to talk and share with us after church. Uh, we need you to be engaged even outside of church. You know, if there's if there's somebody that's that's in need um, is hurting, reach out to that person. Send that word of encouragement. I got several very beneficial, much appreciated words of encouragement this week just in getting ready for this, this sermon. That's that's what's supposed to be happening. And spend time in prayer for this church and try to make that accountability group happen. And maybe at some point you'll even, you'll even decide, hey, there's this other need here that we don't really, that maybe needs some structure and we don't really have anything in place for it. 
Well, I, I think that, you know, you need to take initiative and, and make it happen. There's lots of, lots of ways in which we can be engaged. And I understand there are different demands in our lives, and each of us is going to be engaged in different ways. That goes without saying. But for those of you who are already doing this kind of thing, uh, please keep it up. Don't give up. Don't get burnt out. And for those of you who feel like you honestly are a little more on the spectator side of the spectrum, well, I sympathize with you because I certainly have been there. And I think we all struggle with that from time to time. And um, it's you know, still my first inclination to sit back and, and watch. But it's, it's not, a, not a healthy place to, to stay at. And I just encourage you to, to join in and, and move this body forward. Let's have a song.